All right, y'all know what it is, man. Let's get started. Yeah, here we go. I don't want to hear or see the Republican Party talk about blue lives ever again. This was never about safety for them. It was yeah. always a slogan. Mm. Because if they actually cared about rule of law, they would speak up when people break the law. They would enforce fairness and equity, but they don't give a damn about the law. They don't give a damn about order. They don't give a damn about, about safety. They give a damn about white supremacy. They care about preserving the social order and the mythology of whiteness and the grandeur of our democracy. Mm. That's what they care about. They lust for power more then they care about democracy. Talk, talk. That's what those people did when they voted to overturn the results of our free and fair elections. Yeah. And you can barely call them that with the amount of voter suppression that they have engaged in across the country. It My is God. generous, talk. to say the least, to call them that. And so mm. with all of the yeah. rules rigged in their favor, the Electoral College is built on a compromise with slavers. Ooh. The Senate is rigged in their favor. Gerrymandered districts are rigged in the Republicans' favor. Talk about it. This presidency and the law breaking and the pardons of people who have betrayed our country, all of it rigged in their favor. And they can't even win with the whole deck stacked with them with the deck stacked in their favor. And so what they are willing to do is set a match and light our entire democracy on, fi on fire so that they can so that they can uphold the social order of white supremacy. That's what this is about. Straight up. This is about thinking that if an election doesn't reinforce your power, then you believe it's yeah. fundamentally illegitimate. I couldn't get a bill pay. You couldn't buy the real thing. I was staying up at your place, trying to figure out the whole thing. Yeah. I saw people doing things, almost gave up on the music thing. But we all so spoiled now. More life, more everything. All that yapping on the phone shit. You must really love the road life. All that never coming home shit. Free smoke, free smoke. Hey. Free smoke, free smoke. Hey. Free smoke, free smoke. Hey. Don Rose toast. Hey, yo, welcome, welcome. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to the first episode of the Lawrence Souffrant podcast. I am uh, Lawrence Souffrant, <laughs> and uh, I got some friends with me. We got some things to talk about, but before we get into it, let's discuss uh, the raid that took place in the Capitol. Uh, I want to be honest with you. I am, I'm, not, I'm not surprised that it happened. Um, I don't think any of us are surprised that, that it happened. Uh, it's still crazy to watch, though, as a black man in America. I've been a black man in America uh, all my life. <laughs> and I knew that white folks would do some crazy stuff, but I never thought that I would see um, them go into their own capital, attack their own government simply because they didn't get their way. This was like uh, a, a 2021 uh, advanced version of a temper tantrum. <laughs> like like they, they're storming uh, the White House or, or, or they're storming the Capitol because they lost. Like how, how crazy is that? And I mean, 
I, I didn't watch all of it because I mean, once I heard that they were storming the Capitol, I was like, yeah, this, this white people doing anything. Um, but it was like hearing uh, all the all the stories that was that was coming out about them climbing on walls and um, about them planting bombs and and to and to only think, I mean, rest in peace for the five people that died, but only five casualties when they raid the Capitol. I don't know. That's wild. If it was if it was us, if it was black people, they would have had paddy wagons of arrest. They would have had, I mean, an onslaught of bodies on the ground. And we're not asking them, you know, what I mean, of course, to slaughter everybody. But th- this is one of those things for black folk. We know what it is um, for for good white folk. Hopefully this opens your eyes to the privilege and the reality um, that we live in two different Americas. <laughs> we're on the same land, but we live in two different Americas. Uh, uh, Angela Rye said something very interesting on her Instagram. I just want to play this real quick. If you folks, you, you folks are people who go on air, don't call this no goddamn protest. Mm. This is mob violence. These are criminals. These are the thugs. This is not about, um, you know, trying to, to pacify them, to make them feel good about it. The fact that they can still stand there after Capitol windows are broken, just standing there. I watch Capitol police officers with their hands in their pockets, y'all. It's unbelievable. And yet so believable because we knew it was going to happen this way. We knew it was coming this way. And so the only thing that we can do is defend and protect ourselves. Yo, and that's that's pretty much it. All we can do is defend and protect ourselves. And I think that that is something that as black folks, we have to remind ourselves that at the end of the day, it is our job to protect ourselves. The government is not going to protect us. And so if you are expecting um, a racist government who doesn't who never looks at whiteness as a threat to protect black people, uh, then you're only going to find yourself gravely disappointed because <laughs> at the end of the day, they see us as a threat and it is up to us to protect ourselves on on another note, I guess a little lighter note, y'all. I got caught up on the whole Bridgerton hype. I, I ain't even gonna hold you. I got caught up on it, and I watched. <laughs> I watched that joint, yo. And uh, yo, I want y'all to tell me how y'all liked it. Like, uh, hit me up on Twitter, Lawsuit Front. Uh, let me know <laughs> what what your thoughts were. Uh, I thought it was cool. You know, I, the 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 storyline was interesting. I think it was real relatable in a lot of ways. I could understand why certain people probably didn't like it. Uh, but uh, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was. I thought it was good good television uh will i watch it again probably not <laughs> you know what i mean it's not really my cup of tea i like more the suspense television you know the 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 thrillers like the queen had put me on a on a movie on netflix called unknown that was pretty wild you know it had a lot of twists and stuff like that and so that's more like my style not saying bridgerton didn't have that just the whole um high society european type of high society stuff uh, i couldn't i couldn't get with it but it did it did it did work to 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 make some jokes on on social media uh, I saw I saw my guy had post something about Lori Harvey um and he used the whole Bridgerton uh kind of vibe to kind of tell the story about Lori Harvey and that joint was hilarious uh <laughs> let me play it for you real quick I hereby declare that Lori Harvey is the black lady Bridgerton. (laughs) When the daughter of Lord Steve came of age in the century's 15th year, she was declared the most eligible bachelorette by the High Council of Black Twitter. 
This led to an abundance of callers of the highest rank, some of which included Lord Trey from the House of Songs, most respected carriage rider Lord Hamilton, and even his grace from Philly, Meek Millie. Though some say that that call was always destined to go bad. A confusing turn of events led to an alliance with Lord Justin from the House of Combs. Though it was later revealed that this was merely a cunning strategy to catch the eye of Lord Combs himself. This courtship elevated her status even more and there was no telling what the future held for Miss Harvey. And then along came the Duke. Yes, Lord Jordan, the great thespian whom every young lady would kill to be mongered by, called upon Miss Harvey, resulting in the greatest black alliance since Lady Nose Carter and Blue Ivy's father. So if you didn't watch Bridgerton, you, you, <laughs> this went well over your head. You are completely lost. But that joint was hilarious. It, it, it was hilarious for a couple of reasons. Number one, it, he, he really summarized what the show is all about. Like he summarized what Bridgerton, the vibes of Bridgerton, he caught it like 100%. The other aspect, though, is he really told the story of Lori Harvey. And let me just give my two cents real quick. I am not mad at Lori Harvey. Uh, some of y'all, I mean, the jokes are hilarious, but Lori Harvey, she is a young, beautiful black queen living her life. Uh, she is uh, choosing men of high quality, a man of high performance. Uh, she She's out there living. And I mean, I don't know how Steve feel about it. Steve Harvey, you, you Hit me up if you need some prayer. Uh, if you if you just want to holler at a brother from one father to another, let me know. <laughs> because I don't know if I would like to know all the little things that my daughter is doing. <laughs> but uh, I'm not mad at her. Listen, I you know, I got daughters. When they get of age um, and they want to go out there and kind of live their life, go live your life. Do it safe. Do it responsibly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, have your way. Uh, anyone who's calling her a hoe clearly um, does not respect the freedom that women have to choose who they want to entertain. Like women have the right to do that. Women can, can if they want to chill with you on Monday and then chill with somebody else on Tuesday, that doesn't automatically make them a hoe. And I'm saying that under the assumption that being a hoe is, is of a negative connotation. Like that doesn't make um, a woman anything less than a woman who wants to hang out with old boy on Monday and then hang out old boy on Tuesday. Like at the end of the day, she's single. She's young. She's beautiful. She, she has her, her life. Uh, she has control over her own life. She's financing her own lifestyle or she's finding other people to finance her lifestyle. Whatever the case is, she is doing her thing. And what she does honestly does not affect you. Uh, Lori Harvey, I applaud you. And uh, just make sure that you're responsible and that you're being careful. And I only say that uh, because this leads to the conversation that I had uh, with my friends uh, where we talked about just that. So I have a couple of my friends with me, two young ladies that I am going to let introduce themselves. Uh, they are both uh, women that I deeply respect. I respect their their way of thinking. I, I respect their opinions. I highly value what they contribute uh, to society. And so let me uh, introduce Kara and Cherie. How y'all doing? Hi. All right, so Kara, since you're on my top screen, I'm going to have you go first. Introduce yourself. Let the people know who you are. So I'm Kara Young. Um, I'm a mom, a wife, a legal consultant, a creative YouTuber, all kinds of stuff, um, a church leader. Um, 
and yeah, I have inter interesting, sometimes controversial perspectives, I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's to say the least. That's to say the least. Um, what's the name of your church? The One Rule Church. The rule is love. I was that was like the main thing on my mind. Like, what is the one yeah. rule? Yeah, <laughs> one rule is love. Nice. Tell us a little bit about that, so in case people want to kind of tune in on that. Um, so our church website is www.theonerulechurch.com. Um, and it's really just like a platform um that is not religiously affiliated. There's people from all different um belief systems and socioeconomic backgrounds, races, all that stuff who um, are part of the community and it's really just a place for people to ask questions and journey and explore their spirituality um, and get the love and support and encouragement that I think most of us look for from a spiritual community without feeling the pressure to conform to one belief system or perspective or one way of thinking. Um, the idea is that it is because we're different that we are able to put unconditional love into practice and for love to be able to work its transformative power um, in all of us. Um, it's our differences that that make us better. And so coming together with our differences under the banner of love is, is how we build community and ultimately grow and become better people ourselves. That is dope. Love that. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my. Wow. <laughs> All right, Cherie, your turn. Introduce yourself. Let the people know who you uh, are. I liked you before, but, like, I liked you more. <laughs> like, man, we are just, like, I'm so on the exact same page. I'm so here for that. So, hi, everyone. And I am from Los Angeles. That is where I am now. I am a community activist. I really, really care about um, making this world a place that is more filled with love and where people have more resources and more connection um, and just realize who they are and realize that they have a, a village, they have a tribe um, that is willing to support them even if they haven't met them yet. So um, I bring people together and I'm also a therapist. And so when I bring people together, I try to help them process and, and connect you know, with themselves and with each other um, in a healthy way. And so um, I have a nonprofit that I started. It's four years old and still growing. Um, still, I guess, technically a, a startup nonprofit, but we've been able to to make a, a difference in the community and, and bring young adults. Um, when I say young adults, people always think like kids. I mean, adults who are on the young end of adulthood. So like ages 20, mid 20s to mid 40s, um, that period of life where you're still figuring it out, but people assume you have it all together. And so um, Room 116 is the name of the organization, if I didn't say that. And it's a place where people can come together and dialogue, um, people um, of all backgrounds and um, all worldviews and perspectives can come and iron sharpens iron and and really um, dialogue and network and grow. And, and we have fun as well. We do game nights and all kind of stuff and, and uh, explore outdoors and all kind of fun stuff um so yeah i'm all about love and community and that's why i'm super here for uh see what yes. about. so yeah i love it well that's awesome sheree you glitched a little bit so did you give your full name or did you just say hi i'm sheree oh uh sheree mcdole is the last okay. name um but yeah that's me 
Okay, dope, dope. All right, so the reason why I called you ladies together is because I put up a very controversial post on Facebook. As I normally do, it seems to be a staple of mine, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so, um, but I appreciated both of your uh, contribution to the post. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to read the post real quick while, while I call, Frank. Uh, I'm going to read the post real quick just to give um, a reminder. And I'm, I'm going to read the disclaimer as well that was on my post that didn't really work. But uh, it said, disclaimer, this may be triggering. It involves discussion on pregnancy and abortion. This is a hypothetical scenario. If it hits too close to home, please refrain from engaging. I will not be policing the honest response of adults. However, blatant disrespect is unacceptable. Please be mindful, considerate, and careful. And so here's the scenario. Two adults, cis woman and cis man, um, have consensual sex. The woman gets pregnant. Here are the questions. Uh, one, does the man have the right to participate in the pregnancy journey? In other words, is his suggestion on continuing or terminating the pregnancy a right of his as a participant in the pregnancy? Uh, why? Number two, if the woman decides to do the opposite of the man's suggestion without communication with the man, and that was in all caps, without communication with the man, is the man obligated to uh, participate in the choice of the woman? Why? Then I gave examples to kind of help bring some context in what I meant by participation um, in the woman's choice. Um, example A, man says, I don't want to be a father. Woman continues pregnancy. Is he obligated to co-parent with the woman? Example B, man says, I want to be a father. Woman terminates the pregnancy. Does the man have a right to compensation for his loss? And so the, the, um, the idea, I'll share my idea and then we guys can talk. The idea is in the man being a participant in that it was his sperm that fertilized the woman's egg. And so it is his DNA actively involved in what was going on. So the question was, uh, does he have any rights after he, he ejaculates in the woman? And so this is where we are. I already know your answers, but the public does not. So <laughs> whichever one of you wants to go first to kick off this conversation, you are free I'll let you go, sis. Um, I think for me, where I... I think was struggling was with the language that was used because, you know, I have a legal background. So when we talk about rights, um, that's where for me, it's like, uh, <laughs> like <laughs> uh, rights. Do you, is it a nice thing to involve the man? Of course. Is it advisable even? I would say absolutely. But does he have a right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, um, and so I think for me that was that was more that's that's the the major issue mm -hmm. is the idea because a right is an obligation it means that you are entitled to a certain type of treatment or a certain type of access to something and the person who is in the position to you know give you or withhold you know access or whatever um, is obligated to you know act towards you in a certain way and i i have a lot of just hesitation with that kind of language when it comes to women's reproductive rights and everything that goes with that um because i don't 
it's such an intimate thing um just in general like you know just how the body works and everything that comes with being a woman um being a woman who can have children um that is its own thing that you deal with by yourself um and and I don't think that getting pregnant in the process of just like being pregnant and growing a child and then labor and delivery I don't think like when someone is asking me about participation it's like you've contributed your DNA but I'm carrying this baby Mm-hmm. I get the morning sickness. I get the hormonal fluctuations. I get, you know, the physical manifestations, whatever that looks like, you know, hormonal acne, um, pain, swelling, um, going to the doctor, getting poked and prodded, um, any kind of, you know, extra stuff that may occur with the baby testing, all of that stuff. Um, and then just carrying, being pregnant for, you know, the better part of a year, um, that no one else is participating in it. You can be present for that, but you're not participating in it. Um, And so for someone else to feel like they are entitled to any kind of um, access or input during that process, um, for me, I think shows a lack of just like respect and reverence for the process itself. And so, you know, like, like when I got pregnant, me and my husband weren't married and he, you know, just kind of made it clear that like he had my back regardless, like the decision was mine. Um, and obviously like I took the pregnancy test with him in the other room. Like I wanted him there. I wanted him to be involved. Um, but he, you know, told me, he was like, whatever you would have decided, like I would have supported you, um, because it's ultimately your decision. And just like having someone acknowledge that mm-hmm. um, and, and recognize the the gravity of that, I think is also really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think, I think that men don't, they don't necessarily um, just have an appreciation for how coming in with any sense of entitlement to these kinds of conversations can come off. Um, and, and so if nothing else to have someone, you know, acknowledge, like, you know, I appreciate you giving me, you know, input. Here's what I think, but I'm going to be supportive of you, not combative, not vindictive, not seeking, you know, retribution. If you do something that I didn't ask you to do, Um, I'm going to be supportive of whatever decision you make, I think is really important. Um, And so for me, is a man entitled to give his input? No, I don't think so. Is it, you know, is that, I think, the right thing to do, though, on the part of the woman? I think it's the right thing to do. But I don't think that it being the right thing to do entitles someone to that kind of access. Now, do I think that a man should be forced to co-parent a child that he expressed at the outset that he wanted no involvement with? No. And I think that if you make the decision to have a child um, and you know that the other person doesn't want any involvement from the beginning, then, you know, you should be respectful of that. I think that if that man or even the woman, you know, doesn't want to be a parent, um, you know, do what you have to do to get that legally notarized, do the paperwork, forfeit your parental rights. If that means you have to still pay child support, 
understand that's the cost, you know, for the decision you made. But in terms of like co-parenting responsibility, you don't have to do that. And so if you don't want to, don't. And I don't think that that makes you a bad person because you're exercising your right to choose, mm-hmm. um, especially if you've expressed that up front. Um, but do I think that the man is entitled to compensation if she decide, if he wants to be a father and she decides not to go through with having the baby? No. Because he can just wonder, go and get, go get somebody else pregnant who wants to have your baby right. <laughs> if you want to be a father. <laughs> and I want to be clear, um, and not saying that you're saying this, but I just want to be clear. The idea, well, first off, and then Sheree, I'm going to let you go because I want to hear your input too. It was never, I, I wasn't trying to give the impression that um, the ultimate choice would ever be shifted from the woman. And I think that was something that wasn't clear in the post. Um, I think the, the the post came off as <laughs> as they both have equal say. And I think even some men kind of still believe that they have equal say. And and for those men who believe that, I would I would challenge that and say you don't have equal say. But I will I I still take the position that you have a say. Equal say I think is unfair because you're not we're just not as men, we're not we're not it's a fraction of it all. Our participation was well, in terms of the pregnancy, our participation was in the ejaculation. Right. It's it's the potential after that participation um, in terms of, you know, if, if the baby's terminated. Um, and I agree with you. If the man doesn't want to be a father uh, or if he wants to be a father and she chooses to have an abortion, um, I, I think the conversation that I'm still choosing this, even though you want to be a father, I'm still choosing this. I think that's the right thing, like you said, to do. And when I said has the right, I was coming from that moral perspective not necessarily the legal mm-hmm. perspective because i do believe the right thing to do like when you're doing when you're not doing the right thing someone is being violated to some degree the right thing should always be the ideal and while i understand the right thing can be subjective in terms of different communities and different um ideas so there's a lot of conversation we could have, you know, because mm-hmm. as a community, we should be having this conversation as to what is the right thing. As a community, we should be having this conversation, even what is the responsible thing, because that's a, another yeah. take, right versus responsible, you know. Um, yeah. And can I just that. say in terms of when I say the right thing, because right is very relative. I agree with you on that 100 percent. When I say it's the right thing to do. I mean that in the context of, I think if you're making a decision that is going to have an impact mm-hmm. on another person's life mm-hmm. and, you know, their well-being and their finances, um, you know, I, I, I think it's right to have a conversation about that mm-hmm. because it's, it's not just impacting me. It's, right. it's not just a decision that I'm making that only affects me. Right. It's a decision that I'm making that affects this person over here. And I mm-hmm. think that if I'm making a decision that has an impact on you, um, the, the right thing to do is to, if nothing else, you know, just have a conversation with you right. about it, even if the decision ultimately is up to me. Right. But right. I, think, I think where there may be a disconnect in that, though, is because I don't think a lot of men who are on the side of I have an equal say, mm-hmm. I don't think that they're coming in re- recognizing those nuances. And I mm-hmm. think that there's a lot of men who have little to no 
appreciation for you know the woman's side of this conversation and there is a ton of of um i guess for lack of a better word just entitlement and and lack of self-awareness um and and that is brought to the that's the spirit that the conversation is being had in and so even if you know the intent is not to you know, like the intent is not to bring these guys out of the woodwork by having a conversation. The intent is not to, you know, undermine the agency of women just by having a conversation. The problem that I think arises if we're not super intentional about making sure that men are, because I was talking about the approach, if we're not being super intentional about men, keeping men in check as we're approaching this conversation, I think it's almost, you know, inevitable that it's going to go left because I think like you are a father of five, you respect your wife a ton. And so you are like a Jeremiah, you know, who is also Jeremiah's Poland. He's a pastor who was super vocal on the post. Um, you guys get it. Like you're not coming in hot, you know, cause first of all, because your wives would not, listen, listen. Not having it. Like, let's, I let's start there. <laughs> right. Listen, Abby, right. Abby mm-hmm. and Fab would be like, I don't know what you thought this was, but right. you know, that, I, I don't know, but you need to get it together real quick. Right. So like y'all are not, y'all aren't even thinking in terms of, you know, what these men over here are coming, are talking about, because that's not like, that's not how you would operate and your wives would not allow you mm-hmm. space and freedom to do that. Um, but I think in general, if we're bringing this conversation to the masses, especially within the black community, because there are, you know, a decent amount of children who are born like out of wedlock um, and there, and you don't have that mutual, we're not talking about a relationship where, you know, we're married or we're in love and that mutual, you know, respect is there. This is somebody, you know, we're just two people. We had sex and one of us got pregnant. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the the prompt. You know, it wasn't talking about in the context of a marriage or anything like that. Um, I think, you know, we just have to be careful about how we go into having that kind of conversation because there are a lot of men, particularly within, you know, our community who not only have, I think, antiquated and sexist and misogynist um, views toward women, um, but who you know, as because I think their masculinity has been undermined and they, you know, are dealing with like insecurity and biases and all this other trauma and that just comes with being a black man in America. Mm -hmm. um, A lot of that gets projected in ways that is invasive and violent and disrespectful, just like inherently disrespectful Mm -hmm. to women. And I think if we're not guarding against that as we're approaching the conversation, then even something that may not seem as like being blatantly disrespectful, Mm -hmm. you know, just like in its communication, Um, the fact that it's being said at all, Mm -hmm. I think is where it it can feel violent and it can feel disrespectful and it can feel like an intrusion um, to women. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, Sheree, if you can share some of your thoughts, because I... (laughs) And I'm going to see if you say it. If you don't say it, I'm going to point it out. But there's something that you said on the post that was very interesting to me. But okay, yeah. Yeah, if, if I don't remember uh, verbatim, because I'm going to just shoot from the dome. But yeah, let me know. <laughs> Absolutely. Um. So basically, my, my approach to this conversation is 
um, and I do think I like I like the fact that Carl brought up the fact fact that um, whether you're in a relationship, so it's like three different types of, or I guess there's several different types of scenarios when two people can have sex and, and end up pregnant, right? Where you don't know the person at all, like you barely know their name. Um, you've been messing with them and you kind of know them, but not that well. You're in a whole actual relationship. You're in a marriage, right? Um, and or and then I guess even further, you're in a marriage where where y'all want kids, right? Um, so there's all these different scenarios that this could happen in. And I do think that that does. Um, I do think that what's expected changes a little bit, but I still regardless say that in all the scenarios, it's, it's a very simple thing because the man has a choice and the woman has a choice. The man's choice and his domain of right and, and say so happens at the point of who he decides to come in, who he decides to ejaculate in, period, right? Who he de- and, and, and I like what you pointed out in the post, Lawrence, that anytime you have sex, I mean, the bottom line is nothing is 100% except abstinence, right? So, um, and then somebody was like, you know, anyway, uh, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, if you use a condom, hypothetically it could break right so it you're you're always putting yourself out there literally um to potentially um impregnate a woman when you put your penis inside of her vagina right she's not wrong and so so that's where your decision comes if you absolutely do not want to have a baby with this woman you should absolutely not have sex with her Mm -hmm. that's where your choice is and then but that's not how we think, right? Like we we have sex for reasons way beyond, <laughs> way uh, not even remotely considering consequences, right? All of us have done that, um, for better or for worse. I shouldn't say all. Not everyone has done that, but the vast majority of us right. has has sex recreationally with, regardless of of the potential consequences for better or for worse. So that's the mentality I think that that often men and women, but we're talking about men, men go into sex with. And then when a baby comes along, now you want to decide what, no, 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 what what happens at that point. But now the decision has been handed off to the person who has the pregnancy. Men do not get pregnant. Therefore, men do not make decisions about pregnancy. It's just not your lane. It's just really that simple to me. Like mm-hmm. now with any decision that involves other people, the decision maker always has the choice to involve other people and and have conversations about, okay, what do you think? What do you want? Are we going to be in this together? Or are we not? That's always the decision maker in any scenario's choice. However, it is very clear based on nature that the decision maker is 100% the person who is doing the thing, which is mm-hmm. pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, just, it's just like a basic thing, but I feel like where it got convoluted for me as I was listening to the responses is the emotional component for the man, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it emotionally, I get it, right? You're handing off a major life decision that's going to affect you for the rest of your life either way, right? Whether you have a baby 
or she has an abortion or a miscarriage or what what have you, right? It's it's either a loss that you're gonna have to deal with or a child, you know, with your DNA that's gonna grow into a human that is gonna always be out there whether you're their father or not, right? So that's a huge decision that you should think about when you're putting your penis into her vagina. But after that, you've handed off the decision to her and you have to deal with all the emotions that come with that if she doesn't decide the same thing that you want. Right. And I think, yeah, the pushback was definitely on the emotional side, but it's also on, as a man, if you say my decisions are are only in the beginning before I have sex with her. So if I have sex with her, once I ejaculate in her, I now forfeit or I've surrendered. You surrendered. I think you're surrendering the entitlement. And so, but so when, when the, when the solution to that is if you don't want to have a child with her, um, it really could go both ways. If you, if you do want to have a child with her, you don't want to, whatever. But if you don't want to have a child with her, don't have sex. My, my brain automatically asks, well, if you don't want to have a child with me, shouldn't that also then be the same criteria? Because what I'm hearing is a woman can have sex without wanting to have a child because she has the option of abortion. But a man cannot have sex without the option of having a child. Man, do y'all hear where this conversation is going? It is getting crazy. Yo, let me know what you think. Do you think so far the conversation is one-sided? Do you feel like it's balanced? Uh, Hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, text me. Uh, uh, Where do you think the conversation is going to go? But let me say this. Don't make judgments too quick about our character and about our perspectives. Uh, The conversation definitely gets deeper, um, goes deeper uh, from this point. Uh, But yeah, do you think the answer should be that men should be abstinent if they don't want to have children uh, but women are free to just have abortions if they don't want to have children um, or, or do you think uh, uh, that that men should be able to at least suggest abortions um, if they don't want to have kids but they still want to have recreational sex uh, just, just let me know what your input in uh, and if you want I mean the conversation is about to get crazy so make sure you tune in next week uh, to catch more of what we discuss uh, because it does go Go deep from here. Uh, right now, I just want to thank my friends, uh, Kara and Sharif, for joining me so far. I'm excited to hear what they have to say uh, next week. So make sure you follow, subscribe, whatever you have to do t- uh, to stay in touch uh, so that you can know when the episode drops. So, yeah, uh, episode one of the Lawrence Front Podcast. Peace. Yeah.